0: Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host Samuel Davies. In this episode, I speak to Lizzie Zipser, Director of Strategy and Insights at Blue State. We talk about how charities have been engaging with their supporters increasingly through digital communication the impact that COVID-19 has had on this and what charities can be doing to avoid the pitfalls and overcome the challenges of keeping up in an ever-digital world. Lizzie is an expert on digital strategies for charities as well as other sectors and was very kind to share her knowledge with us. So without further ado, sit back and have a listen to my interview with Lizzie Zipser speaking about Digital strategies for charities. Hello, I'm delighted to be joined by Lizzie Zipser, director of strategy and insight at Blue State. Hello, Lizzie, how are you doing?
1: Hello, doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: It's our pleasure. So maybe we can start by asking uh, what it is you do there at uh, Blue State.
1: So at State, we'd like to say that we partner with leading causes and companies and campaigns to build better organizations for a better world, which is a big statement. In practice, I lead the strategy and planning team, um, and I also oversee our global fundraising and digital growth work with European and uh, global charities and NGOs. Uh, We work with organizations such as UNICEF, um, the World Refugee Agency, UN Refugee Agency, uh, Plan International, Amnesty International, the Movember Foundation, Nesta, and many others. I worked in charities for many years so I actually started about 17 years ago in a tiny campaigning organization uh, which taught me a lot about a bit of everything so some comms, some fundraising, some advocacy, a little bit of events. Uh, We didn't have specialized teams for everything it was just you know you did what you could just to to make things work and that that teaches you a lot uh, working in a really agile way. Um, over the years, I worked in lots of different sectors, but eventually settled into digital marketing and fundraising for uh, charities, driving digital change in um, and So I worked for children's charities, Barnardos, um, heading their digital fundraising team. Um, and has sense, also in my last role, I worked with large charity and commercial brands like National Trust and Sky, uh, with their support and customer engagement work.
0: So what was it that got you into digital specifically? Your, your career spanned 17 years and uh, I guess over that time, digital has changed quite a bit. Was it the kind of seeing evolution of digital that got you interested, or was it something that you you fell into, like uh, so many of us do in uh, in our careers?
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. I think so. Digital is where where you can really you can experiment and you can see what works and you can scale that and you can test and you can do really interesting, innovative work. Um, I've always been more suited to kind of New projects and growth ambitions and kind of bigger and better things and newer things. A bit of a not really an entrepreneur. I'm what people call an, an intrapreneur. So kind of a bit of innovation and, and growth in internally for organisations and now do that for um, for our clients as well. Um, but yeah, you can do amazing things with digital. And um, you can learn the whole time. Every single year, you can learn more and it keeps changing. And people teach you and technology and platforms teach you new things. You can't ever Assume that you've learned everything there is and, and that's going to take you the, the rest of your career.
0: And Blue State don't just work with charities, uh, they work with uh, commercial companies and campaign groups as well. Is that right?
1: That's right. So we try and have our work, what we call third. So about uh, historically a third of our clients are charities and nonprofits, profits um, A third of our clients are commercial brands and we do a lot of um, customer engagement and research and helping them be more purpose-driven, helping them understand cu- what customers need and want um, and really shape the, the way brands communicate with what we call the most important people, their customer. Um, and a third of our work historically is kind of campaigning and advocacy and mobilisation work, so we do a lot of digital campaigning work as well.
0: So I imagine there'll be a lot of similarities between those three worlds, but also probably a few differences too. Is that right?
1: So we we like to think that having the split is the best of both all worlds, I guess, all three worlds. So you have the agility of the the campaigning world, the mobilisation and advocacy world, which is so fast moving, it's so test and learn, it's so um, agile. And we, you know, our our founder was uh, Obama's chief digital strategist, so that's our. We're based on those kinds of ways of working, Um, but we also applied that, you know, from the old days of. Uh, more political work to a fundraising landscape to a digital engagement landscape Um, and that worked very well and actually um, applying that way of thinking to commercial brands that historically at least were a little bit kind of higher budget but maybe slower to really adapt to this kind of more agile innovative way of working that's really interesting and so you have the other way as well you have budgets and the scale of projects in the commercial world that could really uh, lend itself for learning what works, what doesn't, what formats are the best for which platforms, all these kinds of things that could really help a smaller charity client that maybe doesn't have the, the scale of budget to do all the testing themselves. So it, it's very, there's a lot of synergies between those two sectors.
0: That's really interesting because I guess we hear a lot that charities should be more business like in how they operate. I guess you have the benefit of working with companies so you can share the learnings from that experience with charities so that they're not having to uh, try and fail um, using support money on campaigns that aren't working. They can learn from the mistakes, I suppose, of companies as well.
1: Yeah, so it, we we also encourage this way of, obviously, failing in the, in the charity space is very, you know, it's high risk because you're right, it supporters' money. It could go to a very a worthwhile place instead of going to fundraising or instead of going to uh, digital platforms channels technology and so on so we do take that very seriously it's very every every penny counts at the same time you don't get to if you assume that you would get to success the first time you try something that probably means that you've tried a few things that, that could be working that could mean um long-term income growth or they could mean you're getting the right information ahead of your beneficiaries or you're encouraging you know the right attitudes the right behaviors the right you know you know shaping society in the right way whatever your charity is doing you could be doing that very well but if you if you stop the first time you don't see results you may not get there it needs a bit of perseverance as well so it's if we if clients work with us we we have a methodology for that we have a way of knowing if we, the results the first time, the first test, they're not where we're going to end, but are they good enough for a first test to know if we're going to get there? So that is um, reassuring for some of our clients to say, okay, this is, the, this is the trajectory for a first test. We would expect these kinds of benchmarks. For a third test or a fifth test, um, we would expect this kind of thing. So don't worry if we're not where we're going to be in six months' time yet.
0: Yes in the last six months we've seen more disruption and change in society than ever and and in terms of charities the way that charities um, are talking to their supporters I guess that will have uh, changed fundamentally as well and and the content of that those messages certainly will have changed uh, fairly fundamentally as they bring in the Covid pandemic to their messaging.
1: Yeah so a lot of organizations are very reliant on offline marketing and offline uh, fundraising in particular. Um, so face-to-face fundraising and also um, increasingly DRTV which is still um, alive and kicking in, in, in the era of COVID-19 and a pandemic. Um, so a lot of people, it very much depends on your approach to things. So for organizations that have been quite brave and very transparent and very upfront with their supporters and with the public, so if you were educating children and now you need to rebuild this kind of digital way of doing that and train people and build this software all the kind of things tell people <laughs> you tell people what you what you need how much things are costing at the moment if you need to buy ppe uh, protection equipment for your healthcare care workers on the, front, on the front lines just tell people what it costs just tell people what's actually going on and people are very receptive to that we've seen the the public incredibly generous, incredibly giving in this time, even though a lot of organizations didn't want to talk about like their problems because everybody's suffering. It would seem on the face of it, it would seem kind of insensitive to ask people for money in a time when we're all in a crisis. Um, and, and that, and that does flow, but for those who have been, uh, really brave and really uh, upfront with their supporters um, we're seeing that actually the, that they are uh, making up some shortfall in terms of income and raising the money that they need because people yes a lot of us are affected by COVID and some people a lot more than others and may not have the ability to support right now if, you know, if their income is affected but overall people understand why the, the need is there people know that they want more organizations doing more. They want support for society as a whole. They want to make sure vulnerable populations are you know, affected, that if you have a particular medical condition or you support a medical charity, there is research that needs to be had about what are the implications for COVID for you with that particular condition. So people people get it. Um, they know why you, why you need the money if they don't just explain it. Um, and our experience has been that people are very receptive to that.
0: What examples have you seen of charities and nonprofits uh, engaging with their supporters during the COVID-19 pandemic? You, you work with a lot of small and large charities in the work that you do. Um, how has their kind of messaging and, and way of operating changed since the pandemic?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the charities that we're working with have a couple of different um, challenges. One big challenge is just income. So because we are so data driven and results driven, we, we do help clients with multiple challenges, but a lot of the challenges are uh do tend to be fundraising because we are very we will get we will get the results, we will get to the to the bottom line, not just the, the creative that looks really uh shiny and beautiful, but also the creative that will get you um fundraising success. So that's really important to us. We want both, we don't want just one or the other. Um, so a lot of of work has been about scaling uh, digital campaigns and digital spend. So, a lot of organizations, we work with some very large organizations, as I mentioned, um, they do spend a lot on fundraising, but historically, a lot of it has been offline. So, face to face fundraising, door to door, direct mail, and so on, um, out of home, so you know, advertising on the tube and things like that. And people are not on the tube, <laughs> at least that they weren't at the beginning of lockdown. So, a lot of the challenge has been right, how quickly can we move budget into digital? How much budget can digital absorb and still be successful and still be still work in terms of fundraising so that, that was one thing that we both help people with the strategies and the projections and models but also the, the doing of the digital kind of the managing of those campaigns and the media we do for quite a few of our clients. another one of um, common challenges that we're seeing is um, a different, a different uh, set of clients, which is clients that come to us or already working with us to say, we kind of knew that we weren't ready digitally, we weren't a digital-first organisation, but now this is a moment that has convinced the board of directors or senior leadership or someone that it's no longer nice to have to be able to do digital well and at scale and have the, the staff and have the team and the capabilities and the software um, so we're doing a few of those um, where actually it's, it's more of a strategic more partnerships and consultancy to say okay where do you need to be what kind of staffing do you need what kind of budgets do you need what what should the shape of the organization be what should the shape of your marketing team the fundraising team the comms teams how many people do you need um, what skills do they need like all that kind of thing to be able to, um, to become more digital first or more digitally enabled uh, as an organization because we always needed to be that, but actually for organizations that haven't been able to react as quickly to the crisis, um, it's, yeah, it's it's now, now become essential. So really taking that forward. And the third is um, organizations that need to engage so they provide a service so need to engage their beneficiaries and clients and other populations around what should be had so whether it's encouraging um, usage of their services so people coming to their site at increased rates because maybe they need more help or need more support um, and how to best engage them how to best get people to continue engaging so some people have moved so hotline uh, staff to uh, staffing uh, website chat, for example. So that's one of the ways that kind of the digital interacts. So people are, are on digital channels, they're on social media, they're on websites, they're spending more time on their digital devices in lockdown, a little bit less now we're coming out of lockdown, but initially people were just scrolling all day long. Um, and how to sort of leverage that in order to reach more people, help more people, that kind of thing. So that's a, a third uh, type of challenge.
0: Are you having many uh, charities coming to you and asking you for help in pitching uh, new digital strategies or ideas to their boards? I know that um, other charities we've been speaking to and contributors we've been speaking to say that obviously charities are increasingly needed in a um, COVID world and uh, we're seeing that in terms of the types of funding that's being given to charities. But uh, in terms of being risk averse, there's also an element, I think, of, of some boards being quite risk averse at the moment in such uncertain times. Are you giving charities guidance or helping with any kind of pitches for digital strategy transformation to their boards?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. We, we do that a lot, uh, engage leadership teams and boards to to make the business case to um, unlock funding. Um, We can totally understand, many of us have worked in charities before, we know the dynamic. We also know that there are so many charities in the UK, many, many, many tens of thousands of charities, they all have boards. It's mathematically impossible that all of the people on all of the boards get digital. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. And so you do have this gap between... Uh, the people who might be in charge of digital or new product development or innovation or these kinds of things, and their board who who might see it all as very risky, as very high risk. Um, And so that's where we we help the organization to say, okay, if it's, you can't do, a lot of your uh, funding is coming from events, for example, Uh, challenge events, community events, major donor events, these kinds of things. Can't do that in, in lockdown. You can't do that in the COVID era. You need something else. And the, the marathons are cancelled and all this kind of stuff. So that's you know for many charities that is millions. And even if that's not millions, that's probably a big a big chunk of your organisation, especially if you're small. That that's a, even a bigger percentage of uh, of your income with those kind of community uh, engagements. And so a lot of organisations come to us and say, okay. I need to figure out how I replace this. What is the product? What is the proposition? What is the, what is it that people would do remotely in a COVID era that isn't a marathon or isn't this, this is a coffee morning, that kind of thing. Um, So taking that, you know, it's gonna cost this much to develop a product, but you don't know what you're gonna get back for the product just yet, you know, when you need it, but it's just, it's having the approach that you, you develop multiple then you test between them you engage with people as part of the process not just create something and hope for the best if your product is aimed at like 25 year olds for example or 35 year olds chances are your board is not going to like the product very much but it's fine because if you've engaged people you co-created it you've tested it you've seen some results now the board needs to see the data and release a bit more funding to be able to go and scale that and promote that to more people that's it's a, it's a much more data-driven process so it doesn't require it still requires a, a leap of faith to say we need something new something new to do it properly it's gonna cost a bit of money but um, it's not as big a leap of faith as the old days of we're gonna do a big uh, TV advertising campaign and it's everything has to be agreed in advance and it's gonna be very expensive and all this kind of stuff so that's in the world of like large-scale charities in the world of small-scale charities start doing learn skills buy skills get volunteers to um maybe donate some of their skills if they're graphic designers or uh, social work in social media or just live on social media um see if you can have more of a a different kind of test and learn that kind of let's let's start something see what happens if it starts working then um have a bit of funding to continue it or have a bit of a bit of a roadmap to how you can get that person you know, a full-time job as opposed to a a volunteer post. The third thing for smaller charities is there are funders that would fund innovation and digital initiatives and website builds and things like that. So there are places where you can go and look up um, that would help you um, find the money and give you uh, a grant for those digital initiatives and new products and innovations. So um, it doesn't always have to be uh, a yes or no. We, We do sometimes do... Kind of applications for, for for the grants and for uh, you know, for foundations to provide additional scale for a particular program. We would co-write that with, in organisations. <laughs>
0: Let's see how are charities meeting historically analogue supporters on their terms using digital strategies and tools? And are analogue supporters, do they still exist?
1: Yes and no. So, yes, there are people who don't interact at all digitally. But the, the notion that there's a huge growth of people who are just not digital people is a bit of a myth nowadays. So there are people who like to respond in different channels. Maybe they like writing letters or giving you a ring, which is, which is fine. But they are also engaging digitally in some ways. They're, they search for information on Google, they use WhatsApp or, or some sort of SMS messaging. They, uh, you know 60 percent of over 55s are on Facebook, um, and when they're on Facebook, they respond to charity appeals, they respond to fundraising appeals, they might see it there, but then actually be more likely to respond to a direct mail pack. So it's not we don't live in a channel we don't live just offline or just online right so even people who are digital natives we do go to a shop every now and again and do see things in the real world it's not nobody lives in a particular channel so the thinking that everything has to be one single channel and the interaction has to be there and the response has to be there and that channel has to do all the work I think is more the the kind of historic approach now we see that if you integrate like email, social retargeting and telemarketing, that works a lot better than just the telemarketing. Um, it also works better than just the email or just the just the social retargeting. So that's one thing. Um, you, you have so many ways of combining these things and making them work. We shouldn't think just in a in a single channel way, it's about the experience. It's about are you um are you using channels that you have even if you 're very small like it doesn't um, thinking about it's the first step if you don't know anything about social media there's lots of um, courses and information and upskilling that's free um, that you can go and go and explore, especially if you have more time in lockdown and kind of just upscale yourself and um, that's that's where a lot of people start in very small that's certainly seventeen years ago when email was a very clunky thing that 's certainly how I started nobody um, didn't have an agency or a partner or anything, just go do, and um, chances are you'll be all right. Just um, start small.
0: And I guess there are lots of YouTube how to videos and Google Suite uh, information uh, that people can find out, which is really useful. And one of the things you mentioned before as well about companies. Uh, And reaching out to companies for skill sharing and support through volunteering. That can be really valuable, can't it? Because I've seen that myself where, you know, asking for those skills, you get those skills offered. But also it builds a deeper relationship with companies, which can be really useful in the long term. What about the pitfalls and challenges that charities are facing when trying to engage their supporters digitally? Are you able to uh, talk a little bit about that, Lizzie?
1: Yeah, so... There are a few. Um, One I mentioned already, which is expecting digital to be quick and cheap and work straight away. And if it doesn't work straight away on day one, on day two, you turn everything off or that kind of thing. The other one is expecting staff to just magically have digital knowledge and digital skills. So we do a lot of employee engagement and training initiatives and making sure that, okay, now people have digital as part of their job description, but then they weren't hired for that 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 is a different set of skills often not always but often it it is and it's quite stressful for people to suddenly also be in charge of something digital that they've never done before and uh, maybe they don't have the the right support or the right um, kind of partner set or or no partners at all they're just expected to just get on with it they're very small charity so that that is another thing so if you are in charge of uh, people's roles or the direction for your charity or for your initiative, carve up time and space for upskilling, for learning, for development, for factoring in in job descriptions, uh, digital skills. If you're listening because you'd like to uh, get a job in the charity sector, digital skills are going to be even more. Or maybe you're changing jobs in the charity sector, learning learning more about how to engage with all of this. Uh, stuff is is only going to be more valuable it's never going to be less valuable so for now um if you if you don't have you know things like social media and paid search and websites publishing and um email skills email skills are very very valuable still because most of that is done in-house um yeah go learn um and you know go if, if you are managing anyone in the charity space give them time to go learn and go kind of upskill themselves another one of the pitfalls just If your organization has done things historically, uh, very kind of analog, very offline, just taking whatever you're doing offline and just transferring it off online. So if you're used to promoting events with leaflets, um, you're just putting that leaflet information on an email or on on your website and just expecting that to be the case. Or if you're used to um, getting good results from a fundraising perspective um, with a, a direct mail pack, just taking the content of that direct mail pack and putting that on an email it's not gonna it it will be all right but it, it won't get you quite where you where you could be with those channels so what we always say is if you're creating something for a particular channel are you really using that channel basically are you using what that channel can do and other channels can't can it be animated can it be a video how rich can it be can it be two-way communications between supporters. Can supporters see how many other people are engaging with this? Things like that, are there real-time updates? Are there countdowns towards something? What happens when that deadline is due? All these kinds of things, are you testing constantly within that? All these things are maybe not unique as much for for digital, but they're certainly the strengths of the the channels and the platform. So um, don't just take a letter that you would have sent to the post and put on email. For some things, you can do that when it's a bit of information, but it's so much more engaging, it's so much more effective when you do what the platform is designed to do. So, if it's social media, we still see big NGOs and the big organizations. We've published a report uh, today, click here from Twitter, click here from Twitter to download the PDF, which is for some people very interesting. But that platform has a particular way of engaging, or social media has, like, you have content in chunks, you have You make so much uh, more traction by having an infographic or um, in early lockdown, there was an amazing interactive um, experience where you could see what social distancing would do to the, to the spread of COVID. And every, I've received that, I don't know, 20 times, 30 times. People shared that to me on, on that week. And even the week after and the week after people were still sharing that animated example of what would happen. And that was so much more effective than the government publishing some guidance, you know, some dry guidance on like why it's important to social distance and all this kind of stuff. So some experiences really tap into our imagination and our attention and make us think and make us remember and make us engage and share and you know comment on and really be part of a a conversation and a bit of information about something. And that's what we aim to get to that level where people, I remember that six months on, right? We. You know, and kudos to the, the people who
0: made that. My final question, Lizzie, what tips would you have for charities and non-profit groups listening to this podcast, um, giving them an idea about kind of fundamental steps they can take uh, cheaply and effectively to transition to a more effective digital strategy.
1: Um, So just recapping on some of what we said. So if you're very small, make sure that you're thinking about the digital channels and upskilling yourself in terms of what different channels are best at and how to make the most of those channels because a lot of that information is out there. Um, If you can and there are volunteers that would you know reach out to people who could be volunteers, who could be consultants, to local companies who might be willing to um, either support a course or train you or that kind of thing because local even if it's just local shops or local um businesses they if they have that kind of skill maybe they'll be willing to give you a couple of hours of their time so uh, people are very generous with their time and their capacity right now so that's that's definitely something and there are mutual aid groups that are really leveraging people that have time and uh, have been furloughed so people are happy to help when they can um, if you're larger, make sure that you're not just doing the same stuff that you were doing pre-Covid, but just hoping for the best, so hope is not a strategy <laughs> in, in our world, so if you can't shift a huge part of your strategy because some things are still working okay, but you know re- really realize that, or help your board realize, or help your leadership team realize that um, it, what we were doing before is not, is not going to cut it for a long time, so. If you weren't investing in people or in technology or in a website or whatever it is, really start prioritizing that. Um, if you can't shift too much, then work on, you know, if you can work on 70, 20, 10. So 70, what works already, the business as usual, 20% scaling new tests and innovations and then 10% things you've never done before. Things that would really could shift what your, what your results would be like, what your program could be like, but they're a bit of a risk. So you're still taking a bit of risk we're not with the whole budget just with ten percent um, and that ratio tends to get us uh, pretty good results um, to make sure that even if, if you do even if you're doing digital very well, but you know, it's all based on Facebook for example, Facebook or page search page search is delivering very good results, but okay that's scalable then what you, you want to be able to diversify them so thinking about diversity, thinking about what's next, thinking about how to get good at multiple things, not just the one digital thing is also really important. Um, and not thinking that digital is has to be this kind of free, cheap, quick thing. Sometimes it is worth taking your time, thinking it through, uh, thinking it in the context of what, what are audiences engaging in, not in a charity context. What are they doing? Where are they going? What content are they consuming? What what are the behaviors we're seeing anyway um, and taking taking it from there so if people you know, people who you speak to like a particular thing, how can you learn from that? what can you what can you do that might be a little bit like that um, not all the way but something that fits with your organization and the tone and the, the we, we do a lot of quizzes and we do a lot of interactive experiences not because uh, the topics are light and fluffy but because it, it works because it's a more engaging way. Of distributing information than, than a really long list. So um, there are ways to do that really cheaply and uh, effectively.
0: Lizzie Zipsa, thank you for contributing to Charity Chas.
1: Thank you very much, thank you for having me.
0: So there you go dear listener, big thank you to Lizzie Zipsa for sharing her knowledge and expertise with us As you probably would have expected, we're living in an increasingly digital world where charities are having to increase their investment of time, resource and money as much as possible in order to find more effective ways of building meaningful relationships with their supporters and demonstrate the value of their work to them. COVID-19 has, at least for the moment, meant that more people than ever are now living at least some of their lives digitally and increasingly finding out about the world they live in, seeking interests and opportunities to affect their world and those within through digital channels. Perhaps the pandemic has opened up a new era of digital progress where charity supporters are both more open to hearing about the work of the charities they love, but also more demanding in the frequency and depth of those communications. We've been saying it for a while, there is now an opportunity for charities to demonstrate through their messages, how vital their work is to affect positive change, grow commitment from their existing supporters and create a better world. After all, charities have been at the forefront of social change for as long as pandemics have highlighted the need for it. Please do let us know how your digital strategy is going. Do you have one? Has it changed dramatically since the pandemic? What will you do differently following this episode? We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch through our website, charitychat.org.uk, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. That's it from me. Thank you, dear listener, for keeping us going with your feedback and ongoing support. Also, thanks to our corporate sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab, for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Aksmit for the beautiful website design. Check it out, charitychat.org.uk. R.I.I. Photography for the lovely pro bono images on our website, and of course, Forest of Fools, who have been playing throughout the show and are playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Take care and cheerio. Bye-bye.